0: Welcome back to Millennial Act, Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thank you for joining us this week, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotsbeach. Well, Catherine, it's good to see you through a computer screen today, um, but I'm excited we get to record and I'm kind of excited about the topic today. What are, what's, what's been going on, I guess, but on your life and then um, you can introduce the topic.
1: Yeah, so it's good to see you too. It seems like we maybe see each other through a screen these days more than in person. But I'm excited about the work that you're doing and all the travel that you're doing. Uh, things are good here in Colorado. We've had some really nice weather. Um, you know, been 60s and 70s and sunny, and just in true Colorado fashion, we're going to get snow on Friday. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I was out in a tank top walking earlier with with mom. So it's. I also have a sweatshirt and a hoodie. So right
1: yeah so just waiting for that you know spring storm slap in the face when we're all just starting to feel our oats so um, we'll treasure it while we can (laughs) absolutely um yeah so this week's topic is one that um listeners you probably figured we had to come to sometime um but it's in it's in the news all around us right now and we thought that it was timely to address so we're going to talk about confined animal feeding operations, also known as CAFOs or CAFOs, depending on which side of the Mississippi you're on. (laughs) Um, And that means, you know, um, a feedlot, a dairy, a poultry facility, a hog facility where a large number of animals are confined in a, a, you know, a certain area. Um, And yeah, so um, CAFOs get a lot of a lot of time in the news um they're often called nastier names which we won't say here because we don't think that's what they are but um you know they're often looked down upon and often um you know stigmatized outside of the agricultural realm because of because they're big um honestly that's that's really where a lot of the the pushback comes from but um there's there's issues with CAFOs that are hitting close to home for me and Valene. Um, issues in Colorado and Utah and Wyoming that we've become aware of just in the past few weeks that we want to talk about this week.
0: And I'm sure there's more going on. Um, there's, these are located in small rural counties that we're, we're a part of. And so we, we are aware of kind of these situations um, that have arose. But we're sure there's plenty more, especially like in California. Um, and back east that, that haven't made our radar but I'm sure a lot of you are living them as well.
1: Yeah and um, I mean full disclosure here you guys know that Valentine and I work in in agriculture and and do a lot of work with with CAFOs anyway so this would be on our radar whether or not we had this podcast and and we think it needs to be on agriculture as a whole radar because it's it's another instance of uh, of you know attack and and um, you know really needing to protect ourselves against what the outside world perceives. So uh, why don't we just start right here at home in Colorado. Um, So just last week uh, there so the General Assembly the state legislature is in session right now and just last week they brought a bill to the to the floor um, about making sure that chickens (laughs) Sorry, this is so funny. Making sure that chickens um, have have enough room to be properly social, the way that chicken needs demand.
0: Um. Um,
1: I can, I'm just been picturing a bunch of chickens having tea around a little <laughs> teapot or something, right? Right? And and as you, so that sounds funny and. Um, the headline that I first read this about, how I first found out about this, it just made me giggle. But I started digging into the bill language and looking at where this was really headed. And um, it's a cage-free, cage-free chicken bill. um, And looking really to to conform with California standards um, that California passed, you know, more than 10 years ago, I think in 2008, you know, that really, really um, raised a lot of issues in agriculture, cost a lot of people, a lot of money. um, But, ultimately, uh, that, that measure went out in California. And so, um, Colorado is looking to do a lot the same. And the really interesting thing, well, there's a lot of interesting things about this bill, but, um, one of them is that if, if anybody who sells eggs, so grocery stores, hospitals, schools, blah, 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 whoever is found to have bought eggs that don't conform to these standards, um, they can be criminalized and punished with fines or time in jail. even. Doesn't that,
0: um go against our freedom of I don't know whether it's speech
1: or one of our bill of rights to choose what eggs I buy. Seriously, I don't know. Freedom freedom of commerce. I mean I know that's not written down in the Constitution, but um I think regulating regulating how an industry practices what they're doing um is pretty much the opposite of what any freedom-loving, you know, good old American would would really like. And um, I went digging a little bit further as I do. And guess who I found behind this, valley? Our good old friends at HSUS. Jeez, that was such a hard stretch. Wasn't it? <laughs> yep. Um, HSUS is definitely involved in this bill and the really scary thing. Um, Catherine, real quick,
0: can you, for our listeners that maybe aren't from agriculture and know what
1: HSUS is can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit? For sure and thanks for that reminder. I know I get going and then <laughs> might leave some people in the dust. So HSUS is the Humane Society of the United States which sounds very nice right? Wrong. <laughs> um, this is not your local humane shelter. These are not the people who rescue puppies and kitties. Um, this, this is a fundraising organization. I mean they they you know, they raise something like $300 million a year. It's probably even more by now. Um, and their number one goal is to put production animal agriculture out of business. They might say that they're doing it for animal rights or that for animal welfare, even if we're really stretching things. They want a better way of life for animals. No, they don't even want you to have pets, much less for people to eat meat or eggs or dairy products or anything else that we get from, from animals. And, um, you know, they... They are the perfect example of a wolf in sheep's clothing, and um, you know they sound fluffy and and pretty, and they they um, talk a really good game, and they are really they 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 are really really good at hoodwinking people, um, but they have pretty much become public enemy number one for for, for animal ag, um, and they are they are behind a lot of ballot initiatives, a lot um, a lot of bills. Um, referendums, anything you can think of um, to, to end animal ag. I mean, they've gone far beyond infiltrating, um, you know, dairies and feedlots and that sort of thing. And they're really, they're fighting with dollars. And I hate to say it, but they're making headway.
0: And they, they end up being kind of squirmish and figure out who they can partner with to, and be undercover a little bit on some of these things, just like with this bill in Colorado on the egg
1: and yeah. free. You know, the really scary thing is that it's my understanding that they've actually partnered but that, that the egg producers of Colorado have partnered with these people, um, thinking that you know that might protect them a little bit or they'll have a little bit more say in what actually happens with the bill. And um, you know, I I think that that's one of the most dangerous things that could have happened. Um, you know. Colorado is a very blue state now all three uh, chambers are held by by um, Democrats and um, you know the left side tends to be a little more receptive to animal rights kinds of uh, kinds of activity and so there's nothing to stop this bill this bill has actually been brought by um, both the Senate and the House um, AG committee chairman which is a scary thing. Um, and I've, I, you know, it's, it's scary. That's, that's scary enough. But the fact that the egg producers are, um, seeming to support this bill or at least to be, you know, working with HSUS, I know that that may be, you know, it sounds like, Hey, maybe we can work with them. We can all come to the table and have a conversation. It's just not the case with this kind of an organization. It's just not, I mean, once they get their pound of flesh, they're coming back for the next pound. You know, it might be cage free eggs today, but it's, it's definitely, um, Putting putting egg producers completely out of business tomorrow, and then then who are they coming for? They're coming for the rest of us.
0: Well, and they're they're an organization too that that has proven themselves time and time again to try to try to work with producers and then turn around and stab them in the back. Like yep. we've given we've given them a chance, and Catherine and I are always preach that the best way is communication, cooperation, trying to have a conversation. So you also have to know where your boundaries lie, and there are people, unfortunately, in this world that are putting our livelihoods in jeopardy, um, and are actively doing it on a daily basis. And there's no conversation to be had with those people. We have to learn to take the high road, and put boundaries up, and know how to how to com- combat them a little bit.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, you you've got to you have to know when to say. Um, you know, this conversation, or lack thereof, is going nowhere, and we need to protect ourselves. Yeah, and we're
0: seeing this, this is just one example, you want to um, kind of explain the other CAFO issue in Utah that's going on?
1: Yeah, so this one, this one hits even closer to home for me, it's in my home county um, in Utah, and uh, my county is a big, big ag county, I think 130 million dollars at last count was what um agricultural receipts accounted for um in 2018 so a huge economic impact very very agriculture heavy very proud of our agricultural heritage um and not a place where you would think something like this would happen but um last year um a, you know a, a family or two wanted to um develop a hog facility and um the long and the short of the story <laughs> is that, uh, you know, the, the county sort of lost their minds. The commissioners sort of um, pulled their hands up and said, oh, we don't want to have to deal with this and sort of push it off on the citizenry. And um, it's gotten to the point where, um, you know, pe- pe- people who want to develop hog facilities have jumped through every hoop they've been asked to jump through and um, had buildings built and were ready to to fill them up with pigs. And Um, got cease and desist orders and I don't know you know precisely what is behind that cease and desist order but um, I do know that they had jumped through hoops and then the goal the goalpost moved and um, you know that's that's sort of frustrating for a county that prides itself on being friendly to do business in as well as being friendly for for agriculture to be in Um, and you know the county commissioners kind of punted it and said well, we'll let the citizens decide. And so now um, there's a petition going around to put a ballot to, to put a question on the ballot in November on whether or not um, people who want to build a hog, fa- hog facilities can in Millard County. And you know that's that's a pretty frustrating thing. I mean, they started this thing out with requiring a 10 mile setback, and I mean I think the strictest setback in the United States is two miles, let alone 10 miles. Um, you know, and the people had met that requirement and then they said, nope, just kidding. We're going to put a moratorium on, on all CAFOs coming into the County and, um, just not, not deal with this issue right now. And that's, this is more of a CAFO issue than, than just a hard one.
0: If they're putting a, a stop on all, all CAFOs in general.
1: Well, you know, um, that's, that's actually a really, really good point. Um, you know, at the county meetings and public hearings and all those sorts of things, I mean, it's been repeatedly said, oh, we like the dairies, we like the chickens, we just don't want hogs here, but they have um, extrapolated hogs to all CAFOs, and uh, I mean, you know that my parents operate there um, as CAFOs. We have plenty of neighbors who are dairymen. There are a couple, several large um, egg farms in the county, so it's not just, you know, it's not just um, the hog people that it would affect, but you know, we would you'd hope that the existing CAFOs would be grandfathered in, but what happens in the future? I mean, if, if it does indeed say CAFO in the ballot question, I mean, that's a whole different kettle of fish.
0: Well, now that defeats maybe your parents expanding one day or, or continuing to operate or a feed yard or, you know, other things besides just
1: the pigs, Right. Absolutely. And you know, it's not just about us personally, but you think about the things that you would want in your home community, you know, businesses expanding, um, you know, job opportunities, economic growth, you know, places for the young people to come back to and have a really good way of life. Um, all of those things are at risk of being denied because of this. And all of that is outraging enough as it is like, that's, that's just enough to make your head spin, but (laughs) let's get to the real meat of the issue here. So Um, All of that happened, but, you know, the concerned citizens who um, are going around petitioning for signatures for this ballot question, everything went a step further. Um, And this this really cuts at me. This is really hard to fathom because they invited animal rights activists into our community. And that, that hits home in a really, really personal way. Because like we just talked about with HSUS, this particular organization is responsible for um, the undercover videos and horrific um, you know, doctoring of animal abuse at Fair, Oaks, at Fair Oaks Farms that was in the news about a year ago. Um, and you know, these people who have no regard for what we do or why we do it, much less for the animals that we really truly do care for. Have been invited into our community and have put everybody who has who has animals at the scale that we do on high alert, um, and that that's terrifying because you know these community members think that oh they just invited the people who love the puppies and cats in, no they invited domestic terrorists into our community,
0: and it's and people that don't have any idea what we do on a day-to-day basis to care for animals, to take care of the environment, to make a livelihood, to produce high quality milk or beef or pork or eggs or chicken. um, They they have no idea what it takes to do that. And their sole goal is just to shut your doors. They come in all touchy-feely, fluffy, pretty, But the minute they can get under your gate into your facility and know that there's something going on or something
1: they can skew, they're right there. It's all bets are off because they, not only do they not know what we do, they don't care. They could care less. I mean, those cows could live in the freaking Taj Mahal and it wouldn't be good enough. They do not want animal agriculture to exist. Again, they don't even want you to have pets. I mean, these people are nuts. You know, and I'm not afraid to say that I, you know, I have encountered them before and it's never, never a pleasant meeting ever because they think that we're demons and, you know, there's something to be said for differences of opinion and being able to agree to disagree. They don't even want to do that. They want you out of business.
0: And they're not. Yeah, they don't want they don't want production animal agriculture. They don't want. They don't want animals,
1: period. Nope, they'd have us all eating Impossible burgers for the rest of our lives. And you know what? For the people who want to eat Impossible burgers, fine. I want steak, <laughs> <laughs> and I want cheese on top of it too. Well, and-
0: yes. <laughs> so, I- oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say. I think, kind of stemming back to all this, and I think a lot of you know some of the the trials, um, legal trials. Catherine and I have witnessed or been a part of as part of our jobs um, or seen, especially like in the Yakima Valley of Washington too, it's, they find one little thing, whether it's environmental, whether it's animal rights and they get a whiff of it. They get a couple upset neighbors. They invite these animal activists and a lawyer tags right along with them pro bono to fight you and sue you. Yep. And it's, It's not a matter of if it's gonna happen, it's when it's gonna happen. And it might not be your family, it might not be my family, but I can guarantee you in our lifetime, it's gonna be people we know and work with.
1: Right, and it's gonna be, I mean, right now, I mean, my family is under potential threat. Right now, it's happening in rural communities where you don't think it will happen. You don't think it's gonna happen until it does. And are you prepared? I mean, I think, you know, to, to, blaze on into what we were what we talked about at the beginning this leads right into what's happening in Wyoming.
0: Yeah and it's um so in Wyoming what and this is happening all over the western United States but they're starting to have horse feed lots um as as pretty much just staging areas for these wild horse gathers that they're having because there's too many horses on public lands.
1: Which, is, so, a which is a whole other issue in itself. Which
0: is <laughs> a whole other issue in itself and we can Eventually get into that too, but they are starting to put setbacks in Laramie County, I believe, which is just north of Colorado. Yeah, and there's not a lot out there, but they're putting at least a mile setback
1: to these. They're talking about three miles setbacks. Three miles setbacks. Of horses in Wyoming, the cowboy state, and so it's
0: CAFOs aren't wanted anywhere anymore, and it's. And the setback, you know, you think, oh, three miles in Wyoming's not, there's lots of places for that. Well, maybe, but that's to any house, any well, any oil and gas. You know, you just start adding these things and all of a sudden you look at a map and there's a house maybe every
1: three miles in Wyoming until you get out in the middle of nowhere. And you see the real point of that setback, which is truly to put a ban on CAFOs, just like in Miller County. Ten miles? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's insane. I mean, what it amounts to is obstruction of commerce among many, many other things, but really it's, it's banning business.
0: Mm -hmm. And Colorado saw it with the oil and gas last year too. You, you know, and they wanted to put a setback on any, any new oil and gas drilling that was like a mile setback or something. And it's like, well, oil and gas will never go in if this passes and
1: um there's three wells within i mean a quarter mile of my house 500 feet of my house like if that were the case i there wouldn't there wouldn't be anything here and our economy would be a lot less strong for it and
0: and we do have to be aware of the environmental impacts that cafos have we have to be aware of the environmental impacts that oil and gas have and and you know odor and dust and all these things that come when you put a lot of animals in, in a smaller space than they're typically seen out on the rangeland. But that's the owner's responsibility and you put good best management practices in place to take care of that. And we, kind of, we need to work on educating our neighbors, on having them over, on telling our story, quote unquote, um, and, and just being good stewards of the land and being good neighbors and showing them that we care about them And that we put that same
1: care towards our animals as well. I think, I mean, I think those are all, those are obviously the very most important things about what we do day in and day out. But I also think it's really important to note um, that we don't operate unauthorized or unrestricted. I mean, we are under a whole pile of regulations. There's the federal regulations to begin with from the EPA. And then depending on the state you're in, state requirements on top of that and you know it is the last last thing that any cafe operator would want would be to pollute in any way their their own their own operation their own water their own community because they live there too and i mean it's not you know it's not just the smart business thing to do it it's just what you do as a good human being and as always we have to put the caveat out there that there's bad actors there are but they're they are far fewer and far between than the good people out there who are just trying to make a living doing, doing what they know how, doing what they do best. Um, and it's just like somebody once told me if I
0: followed you around with a video camera, I could make you, and then I went home and Photoshopped it. I could make you look like a terrible human being too, you know?
1: absolutely good. <laughs> and, there's,
0: and there's, and it's the same. There's good people and there's bad people in this world on a day-to-day basis and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt nine times out of ten right and I I want the public to do the same thing for our
1: confined animal feeding operations or our operations I love Um, it absolutely wouldn't you want to be given the benefit of the doubt that you are a good human being just trying to do the best that you can and if you happen to find a way that you can do better you will start to do better you know um you know, going back to your lawyer point, I think another important thing to do is follow the money. Um, why, <laughs> you know, why, why would people take an interest in this if there's not some sort of financial incentive in it for them, whether it's through donations to grow their organizations and spread their message of hate and fear, Um, you know, because there's, there's gotta be something coming out of it for them to put people like us out of business. Absolutely. There's, there's, an underlying motive that I
0: honestly, it's money and saving, saving animals or not having animals, period. Um, but I think there's underlying
1: motives that I can't even wrap my head around sometimes. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime we get a, an opportunity to talk to somebody who maybe sympathizes with these kinds of groups, which will be a very interesting conversation. But for right now, listeners... Um, what we want you to take home from this is that it can happen anywhere to anybody because it's happening in our rural communities right now in three states, very well, one of them we're in three states right around us, um, places that don't often make the news. You wouldn't expect them to make the news. You don't want them to make the news, but it's happening. And, you know, there's community members out there who maybe don't know what their neighbors are doing, those neighbors, but you know, the, the livestock people could maybe do a little bit better job of sharing what they do get up to. Um, but you know, inviting animal rights activists or domestic terrorists, honestly, and I will stand by that statement, is is uh, beyond the pale to deal with these kinds of issues. I think in our in our discussions before we started this recording, Valine said, you know, we need to figure out how we can deal with this on a on a personal, like one to one level, on a community level, rather than resorting to ballot initiatives or or any of those other sorts of things.
0: Well, and I. You know, I understand some of the concerns about bringing in a hog farm. There hasn't been, um, pigs probably in, in Utah or very many of them. And the fear of, of the stench, the additional wastewater that the plants, um, produce and all the, you know, environmental stuff that's been in the news in New North Carolina and back East, that scares me, um but maybe let's go educate ourselves or figure out how we can learn about pigs or how we can see how we can help work with them rather than just letting the county commissioners do it or just letting these people put petitions or sending petitions around to get initiatives on the ballot let's let's solve these problems before it becomes a public issue right. and work and see how we can work together because once we turn around and say, "Well, we'll let you guys decide," it's not going to end well.
1: I, nail on the head, you hit it, Val. We have to we have to talk about these things, you know, across the table from one another rather than hiding behind hiding behind ballots or you know um, newspaper articles or Facebook pages. Um, you know, things things are always mistranslated. There's always three sides to every story um and the one you most often don't hear is the truth and i think it's our responsibility as agricultural producers and lovers of our land and livestock to be open to having those conversations and we extend the invitation to our neighbors who maybe don't know what we do to ask those questions of us before it becomes like you said a public issue
0: and i think we gotta as producers ourselves when people come to us with those questions we have to take a deep breath and answer them honestly and truthfully and not get defensive. Um, because when those questions are asked, we often feel like we're being targeted and that's not always the case either.
1: Right. I think again, a very, very valid point. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of just wondering what the heck maybe goes on on the dairy or at the egg farm. Um, and, and those questions are certainly, certainly worth um, or certainly deserving of, of answers. So listeners, we've thrown a lot of stuff at you today. There was a lot to cover, but, um, key takeaways, don't get complacent. This can happen in your rural community because it's happening in mine.
0: And keep, keep your eyes out for these kinds of people. And, and you know what? It's okay to question them. Why are you here? Why do you want the job? What do you plan to do? Let's go have lunch. Let's go have a beer.
1: Let's, let's get to know each other a little bit and see what they're truly about. Right. Just, yeah, don't get complacent. Be open to, be open to possibilities and, and, you know, I mean, wake up. This is, it's not a question of if anymore. It's a question of when. And, you know, we don't want our neighbors and friends in production animal lag to be under the crosshairs.
0: No, we we need to protect our own operations, but we also need to protect all those in the industry because it's they might be going after eggs right now in Colorado, but when when are they going to switch and go after dairy? When are they going to switch and go after beef? And after that, where are they
1: headed? Right, right. They're coming for your cats and dogs. That's what's after that. Yep. It's, yeah, I mean, it's easy to make light of, but I mean, just the the confluence of all of these all of all of these states this issue right now really sort of hit home for us this week and um, you know we hope that we've provided some valuable information and if you've got experiences of your own of dealing with animal rights activists of dealing with ballot initiatives about having you know animal ag in your community anything like that, listeners, we would love to hear from you. You know where to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at millennialag. You can always email us, Katherine, K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E at millennialag.com. Drop us a line, send us a note. We want to talk to you truly. We thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts and we'll see you back here next week. Until then, it's Lag.